Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. This conversation will be a particular selfish pleasure for me because it's been a long time, way too long, since I've talked to this guest, Amy Shojai. I could give a list of the books she's contributed to or authored, but then that would take up the whole program. I could talk about what she has done to benefit companion animals. That would also take up the whole program. She founded what is called the Cat Writers Association, and she is one of, what, two or three or four or five, maybe that many, pet writers who were there at the point that I began, which... Amy, seems like only a few months ago. What happened? I know. You blink, and it's 2022. I mean, who, uh, who knew? I mean, I think, I, I think my first book came out in 1992, and I started writing in the late 1980s. So, yeah, it's decades in the making, and lots of cats and dogs in our lives, and yeah. a lot of yeah. people that we've touched over the years. I feel blessed. I know, I know you do, too, to be able to do what we love and uh, make a difference. Yeah, the hope is, you know, I hope that's the case. That's why I do what I do, and I know that's why you do what you do. Why did you begin? Did, did you wake up one morning and say, you know what? I mean, I was a journalist, quote, unquote, in training. I mean, that's what I did. I covered fires, if you go back a thousand years, <laughs> and then covered entertainment and some other things as I was covering. I was writing about restaurants as I was beginning to write about pets. That's sort of my story. What's yours? Oh, wow. Let's go back to the beginning. Um, I, I had gotten married, and we lived in eastern Kentucky, and there were no jobs. Available. My husband was working at a big uh, corporation, and I, I was looking for work and found a job. A uh, freshly minted veterinarian opened a practice. He came back home, opened a practice, and I got a job at the vet clinic working with him, and he was so excited about all this medi- medicine, and I got to assist in surgery, and I just fell in love with it. And as it happened, they were trying to start um, a, they were, they were trying to start an, uh, an animal shelter in the area, and they needed somebody to write an article for the newspaper. And I got voluntold to do it. <laughs> and uh, that's, as far as I can remember, that was my first byline. And uh, I had learned how to kind of translate the medical lease that the veterinarian in to, to explain to the, the pet parents what actually was going on, the flea talk, you know, and, and the house training talk for new puppy owners. And so I learned a lot about pets, and I was just voracious. I, I'd always loved animals and told my mom. I think it's, it's my mom's fault. Yeah, uh, how's because that? I told my mom all these stories, and she said, Amy, you've got to write those down. And so I did. So it's it's my mom. I lost my mom last fall. I'm sorry. So I'm a hmm. writer because of her. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I often think of my dad when, uh, and now both my mom and dad are gone, but I think of him in particular because he loved animals so much and at one point in time wanted to work at a zoo, which I did hmm. at one point in time. 
So wow. you're talking about those days when there were newspapers. I mean, there are still some. There's st- right. They still exist. However, the world has changed a lot in communicating to pet parents. How has, for you, the world changed the most? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, we talked about this before we went, went live, was the instant, the instant information. You can now, with blogging, and with the Internet, you can instantly share information. When I started out, and uh, you as well, we had lead times. If you were writing for Cat Fancy Magazine or Dog World Magazine, you submitted an article three to six months in advance and didn't see it until it came out that six months in advance. Today, you push a button and it's live. And there's good and there's bad about that. There's There's... There's bad because if you make a mistake, the world sees it, and you can't take it back. Oh, I do that but, every day. <laughs> but, you know, it's, and it's nice with books now also. I've, I have books that I can update, so they are evergreen. They stay relevant uh, as long as I'm able to bring the new information, you know, new editions. And in the past, you know, there was the book, it is there, and you, it is written in stone, and you can't change it, and you can't bring out a new edition because, you know, somebody in New York is the gatekeeper and tells you no. So it has changed a lot, and I think for us, we had to change with the times. And I think there are people that are no longer writing because they either were unable or not willing to change with the times. You have to be flexible. I call myself the reinvented writer. I'm constantly having to switch gears and see what's the next step in publishing or in how I can reach my readers and, and with relevant information. Well, the downside of everything you're talking about is that... Uh, so there's an upside and a downside, and I want your comments on both. One apparent upside is that something can happen in the world having to do with companion animals. Uh, it could be a pet food recall. It could be a new drug. It can be anything. It can be a story like, uh, and I love this story, Queen Elizabeth at the age of 96 has begun horseback riding again. It could be, yeah, so it can be anything and instantaneously it's out there. However, there's also misinformation that's out there as well. So you and I both write uh, for a website called Fear Free Happy Homes. It's fearfreehappyhomes.com. And what's interesting about those stories that I write and you write, even though we're both certified animal behavior consultants and we have these props in behavior, we're supposed to know what we're doing, we speak to others and teach others in a variety of different ways. Uh, we both do that. It's clear. Even then, Our work is not only edited by an editor who happens to be an editor who has written countless pet books and knows her stuff. In addition to that, it it must be read over by a veterinary behaviorist and a veterinary uh, technician who is certified in animal behavior. So it's like a peer-reviewed journal. Now, we write for lots of publications that may not go that far, but there are lots of publications that don't do anything. And in fact, the reverse is their problem in that there's... I find, you tell me what you think, too much misinformation out there. Oh, gosh, yes. I think when, and that, uh, that's why I stopped writing books for a while. I, I quit writing, hung up my pen and my keyboard, and became a choir teacher at the local high school. 
because I could not, my, my agent, we had sold many, many books, and suddenly she could not get any interest. Because of the Internet, people could get free information on the Internet for whether it was good, bad, indifferent. They could get it for free, and publishers weren't interested in publishing a book. And I wrote, I wrote a couple of articles for Fear Free uh, about Dr. Google and what the, the downsides of it and how, how even veterinarians can, can address and deal with this when they have clients come in with information they've gotten from Dr. Google and how to deal with that. Because there is good information, but it's not all good, and a lot of it is dangerous. Yeah. information. So I think I, I love the fact that, that my work is vetted because then, then I know and I'm comfortable with it. And if I make a mistake, I don't, I don't want that going out there. And even some of the other uh, clients that I have today, they do the same thing. And then for, I actually do vetting of some other uh, articles work, previously published work, and say, you know, things have changed somewhat. Let's update this. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting. You know, veterinary medicine, just like human medicine, it, it is a practice. It is evolving constantly. So even if the information is good on the Internet at one time, look at the date on it. You know, if it's past if it's past its prime, <laughs> it, it may no longer be relevant. Some of these stories perhaps should have an expiration date. The good news oh, yeah. is that you don't, and we will talk to you some more when we come back right here on WGN with Amy Shojai, Certified Animal Behavior Consultant Amy Shojai is here. Oh, so if you can find a bookstore, but you could find Amazon, so check it out. I mean, if, if you went to a bookstore and they have the section called Pets, You'll see a book. Oh, no, there's another book. Oh, that, then there's another book and another one and another one and another one, all written by this person who I'm speaking to. I, I do want to mention this. Uh, the, the section at, if you could find the bookstore, that is labeled pets was once just called animals. And because of the success that he demonstrated in writing some or co-authoring some dog training books and some other books... Uh, he showed that people want to buy books at that point in time about dogs. goes back a few years, but you probably know who I'm talking about, and that is Mordecai Siegel. A, an absolute legend. I mean, he's the person that mentored me when I first started. He helped get the Cat Writers Association launched. Um, he gave me my first cover quote on one of my first books. Um, just very supportive of new writers and uh, very, very helpful to the, uh, you know, individuals. But he changed, he changed writing for all of us. He, he's the, you know, you talk about shoulders to stand on shoulders. He's one of the big ones. He had, he had massive shoulders to stand on. I remember when I went, there was something you mentioned, the Cat Writers Association. Similarly, there was a Dog Writers Association. He was president of the organization at the time. And he called me and he said, 
You've got to come to Westminster because there's this award ceremony that we do at Dog Riders. I wasn't a member. I hadn't put in for any award, so I wasn't going to win any. But he wanted me to come to the event, and I thought, wow, Mordecai Siegel knows who I am. So I I went, and uh, then he said, kid, we've got to go out for lunch. Do you like deli food? I said, yeah. So there was this place, I don't remember the place, but the corned beef sandwich was bigger than my head. And (laughs) at that lunch, he talked about how he said, there's something about you, kid. You've, You've got what it takes, and you are going to be the guy who follows me. And I don't know that that really was true that that ever happened. But he told me this story about how he appeared at Roger Karras' home. And Roger Karras, who was a former president of the ASPCA, and announced, he was the guy at Westminster who would say, the Irish setter is now coming into the ring. This dog (laughs) was bred for, that was that guy, and uh, did much more. I mean, he wrote a gazillion pet books. He was on ABC television for many, many years. If there was a report about animals, not only pets, but animals on ABC, it was probably Roger Karras that was bringing us that report. So He was kind of the the before Animal Planet. It was Roger Roger Karras. Yes, yeah, absolutely right. And Roger apparently told Mordecai that you're going to be the next me or something like that. And that's what Mordecai told me. I, I bring this up only because no matter what industry you happen to be in, I think sometimes people forget it's others who made it possible by paving the way. Yes. Yes. And there were there were a number of people, our colleagues, some of whom are no longer riding, have retired, or um, are now with their pets at the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of people that made a huge difference in our careers, our lives, our friendships, um, and you have to honor that, too. All right, so very quickly, you have some Audible books, and I want to talk about those. We have about two to three minutes here is all. One of them, yeah, I think there's Five, uh, But one of them in particular, I remember when I used to talk about environmental enrichment for dogs or cats, but for cats in particular, it being really important. Now I say, oh, it's more than that. It's necessary. I suspect you agree and you have a book all about that. I do. And it's, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek title just to get people's attention. It's called, Does My Cat Hate Me? <laughs> and then the subtitle is, Improve Behavior, Boost Health and mend your bond with environmental enrichment. And it's true. I mean, we've, we've had um, colleagues who have beat the, beat the drum on this for years and years, and we are seeing more and more people that they adore their cats. They want to do the right thing. They don't know how to do it. And it's, a lot of it's very simple. I mean, I've, I live in North Texas, so I can't let my cat outside we have coyotes that will come right up on the patio, and they love to eat cats or small dogs or just about anything else. So you want to keep your cat safe, but how are you going to do that and keep them happy as well? We have kitty cats that are crowded into apartments and high-rises, don't have space. Maybe they're sharing litter boxes with too many other cats. You know, the number one stressor for cats, and you know this, Steve, the number one stressor for cats is other cats, too many cats. 
And so how do you enrich this and keep them happy? And, you know, we say the one plus one rule for litter boxes, one litter box per cat plus one. Well, how do you do that if you have a little tiny apartment? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there because the, the way in which people can learn the answers, of course, is to find your books. How can people do that? You can go to Amazon, and it is available in ebook, in print, and will soon be available on uh, Audible as well. Well, in order to do that, people have to know your name. So it's Amy ah. with a Y, and it's spelled Shojai, S-H-O-J-A-I? That's it. Very good, Steve. Click. <laughs> I rehearsed. Thank you very much. <laughs> An old friend of mine, it is so good to have you on WGN again. It's been years, so too thank long, you. Too long, thank uh, you. My friend, I'm so glad that, uh, that we had this time. Yeah, together. Thank you so much. <laughs> Amy Shojai, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. So I'm not an expert on international relations, but I do believe there has been a problem for many years between the Indian border and the Pakistan border, and then it happened. Officials in Pakistan suspected a spy. The spy flew over the contentious border between Pakistan and India and was apprehended. The spy, a pigeon. The pigeon had a suspicious ring around its ankle printed with numbers. The numbers turned out to be the cell phone number of the pigeon's owner. After a thorough investigation and questioning, the pigeon who refused to answer any questions, was deemed to be not a threat to national security and was set free. It was just an innocent bird, police told Reuters. But before you laugh it off, you should know that this wasn't the first case of avian espionage in the area. In 2016, a pigeon was taken into custody after it was found with a note threatening the Indian prime minister. In fact, there's history about all this. During World War I, pigeons were outfitted with tiny cameras. They had to be tiny, I suppose, and released over enemy territory. As the birds flew over, the cameras clicked away, snapping photos. And ever since, some countries, even now apparently, continue to use birds as a 007. Perhaps there is also a concern that the birds could flock together and organize a coup. <clears throat> Another story... Uh, We've heard about violence in courthouses. Well, this story is kind of like that. A courthouse in upstate New York was closed because of a problem. See, what? here's what happened. A clash broke out between one side and then the other side. A defendant who started to film the courtroom proceedings was told to stop. In an altercation that followed, he brought in, it was not guns, couldn't get guns by the security people, hundreds of cockroaches, and released them throughout the courthouse. The courthouse was closed for a day for fumigation. Court officers arrested him for this as well and charged him with disorderly conduct. I guess there is no official charge for releasing cockroaches. This person was eventually released. It was not clear whether this person had an attorney speak on their behalf, or the cockroaches who, by the way, all lost their lives in the process. We'll talk to you next week, bright and early, with stories, maybe not, just like that, here on WGN.